morning. Good morning. I want to get started in our time together this morning. Uh, if you see me drink some coffee here, it's not a normal thing. My daughter brought it in for my Father's Day present, and I can't not do that. That'd be not a very good thing for me to do, right? So um, I'm going to try to keep spelling it as my goal. Um, but I've had all the I've had all the coffee I need this morning, so you may you may get the overdrive today, which isn't a bad thing, you know, because we only have uh, really three more sessions to go, and 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 there's no room for 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 lack laxadaisical um, uh, uh, teaching um, in our time together. So um, I don't know about you, but I mean I've I've just been tremendously excited about. All the things I'm learning uh, through this study, and uh, I get an opportunity to tell you um, a lot about something today that, um, in my in my opinion, um, has probably changed my life more than anything else as it pertains to my walk with the Lord uh, beyond um, uh, the sovereignty of God. Th- this particular um, topic has has kind of the the nuts and bolts of of how I. I've learned to live my life in a, in a better place and in, and in a place that allows me to um, understand some things that I think are really, really, really just like foundational. And you know what? One of the key things that we've always said is that common sense doesn't always necessitate common practice, does it? And so we're going to we're going to be talking about um, this whole issue of of of, of our I'll say this ten times in a row our armor of light. Our armor of light. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to pick up there. And I, like I said, I just, you know, some of, my, some of the challenges I have with, with uh, uh, speaking about these things, especially this passage, is some, for some people it's just it's so familiar. And yet, you know, I mean, my challenge to myself, my challenge to us this morning is, uh, learn it for a new, learn it anew for the first time again um, about your own life, about what you're going through right now, because God does that in our life. And um, I, like I said, every every time I go back through um, this study, it has uh, it just it transforms how I think about everything. So I I, I, I pray for that for you this morning also. Um, but because of our time, um, next two weeks we'll be really launching into a study on, on holy angels. And our goal there would be to look at their nature and their attributes and their classifications um, as it pertains to ministry and what does that have to do with us and what does that look like. So I'm really excited about the next two weeks. So, I mean, if, if there's any way you can, like, you know, get here on time, you know, it will really help me um, to be able to start on time. That'd be awesome. And we certainly can... can up- um, probably 15 more minutes into our into our study together. So appreciate your help in that. Um, I'm going to start on time. So <laughs> if you can be here, that'd be great um, to, to get going. Okay, Father's Day. Um, uh, some of my some of my comments this morning. I, I I'll probably be a little forthright to, to men and to fathers too. So um, excuse me if I get a little applicable in that space. Also. Um, so, uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, and um, would somebody read verses um, 10 through 18 for me? Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty full armor of God, so that you can take... Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but the full armor of God, so that when it comes, you need everything to stay out of truth, lifted with the ready mission to all this, take up the shield, hold the flaming arrow, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with earth. Thank you, Dick. Appreciate you sharing, you, you reading that this morning. You know, um, this passage comes in a place in the book of, uh, or the letter of Paul to the um, Ephesians, or those believers who were in Ephesus, and Paul writes this from Rome, from Rome, um, in his uh, in his uh, uh, pri- as a prisoner. But you know, he's um, he's building a case throughout this whole letter. Um, the first what three chapters really are are all about like this complete all the things that we have as a result of our our, our, our faith in Christ and then chapter chapter four through chapter six verse um, nine is all about um, if it, if the first part's about our wealth in Christ that that part's about how to walk in Christ. And then verses uh, 10 and beyond in chapter 6 here that we just read are the, are the beginning point of talking about our warfare. 
in Christ. Um, so he, he kind of jumps us back to chapter 5, verse 15. He says, therefore be, what, careful, be exacting, um, be, take, take great pains as to how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, um, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish or stop, be, stop, stop living in a place of foolishness. Um, under, but understand uh, what the will of the Lord is. Um, you know, I, I wonder if, 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 you know, as this kind of as a message comes to us, if, if, if we're making the most of our time in our lives. Um, you know, this is all about really um, seeking first um, the kingdom of God. And, and you know, I, it, it's so hard sometimes to do that. But he equates wisdom with the fear of the Lord. He equates wisdom with seeking the Lord and and being uh, uh, having the right perspective as to how we walk. Well, I think it's this few verses here, along with a few other ones, that Paul, when he writes this passage six ten, um, is referring to, um, because he's he's saying, you know, as to how you walk, make sure you understand that we are in a war, that we're in a war. So he he has just finished talking um, like it after that section in verse 15 of chapter 5 he's talking to husbands you know it's interesting that you know he he speaks the first and foremost to husbands to, to you know to, to, that we would love our wives they they speaks to wives they speaks to children in chapter chapter 6 1 and they speaks to parents and they speaks to employees and he speaks to employers i mean isn't that the stuff of life isn't that isn't that like like this is where we live, isn't it? it it's like it's where our where we where we live day in and day out, and, and that's 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 the beauty of the, the scriptures and their how they interact with us day in and day out is it meets us where we're really at when we let it. And one of the things I'm just so passionate about is that um, is that is, is teaching the Word of God in a way that would um, exhort us to live rightly and to do the right things. I am so sick of us being a body that um, just is like in this ongoing quest of learning stuff and not applying it in our lives. Um, How do you measure the health of a body? You measure it by the health of individuals. And how do you measure the health, how do you measure individuals' health spiritually? Well, you don't measure it when things are going well. You measure it when things hit hit the fan. And the question is, is do we really lean into these things that we know to be right in the times of greatest need? Is that our first priority to prayer? Is it our first priority to think rightly? Is it our first priority to, because we've prepared ourselves for these things, and we think about the, the, these things this way? My, my, my concern is that, is that we don't. You know, it's, it's, it's really just an, a, a message of encouragement, a message of exhortation that we can and we can gives us the strength to do that. And that's why he starts this whole passage um, uh, with two really, really two commands. If you kind of analyze this whole whole section here, there's there's two two major commands here. They come from our commander in chief. First one is be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So he's going to share with us um, what to do. And the what to do comes out in two, two, two threads. One is be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. By the way, both of these are um, conscious choices or decisions we make in our life. Conscious choices or decisions we make in our life. Not, if you just let it come to you, you will not be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. It's something you, you, you conscientiously uh, learn over time to be able to do in your life. To be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 13. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Somebody want to read that? Okay. This idea of being strong is the idea of stand strong. It's it, The only way we can stand strong is being strengthened strongly. 
It's allowing ourselves to be strengthened strongly by the Spirit of God. But the, the, the amazing thing here is he says, be on the alert, stand watch, stand fast, stand courageously, and stand strong. And those are the messages that, 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 that Paul's sending here is, is um, are, we, are, we aware, are we aware and are we alert about what's going on around us? And he says, uh, strengthen yourself in the Lord and with his might, not our own might. Um, you can write down John 15, 5. Uh, anybody rem- remember what that verse is about off the top of your head? Okay, it's about abiding in the Lord, isn't it? And it's about the fact that we can't do anything at all unless it's done by abiding in Him. So, by the way, if you didn't get a handout back there, be sure to pick one up because we have stuff from today in there um, for you to take notes if you want. Um, so, uh, the, the point here is to be strong in the Lord, abide in Him. Uh, write down Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13 Anybody know what that says? I can do all things. What's the second part? Through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ who strengthens me. I have literally, in the in the moment of need, um, opened that passage and turned it around and put it in front of a person or multiple people now and said, "Would you please read this out loud? Please read it out loud. What does it say?" I can do all things, Him who strengthens me. But it's through Him. It's that I will rely on Him through that process. What a great promise. I mean, does that become too familiar for you? Yes. My goodness. Like, I, I just think, think we need new eyes. I think we need new hearts. I think we need new feelings. I think we need new, new life. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What, a, what amazing truth. Amazing truth. The second one here, we find um, in uh, in the same verse, uh, or the next verse, he says, and what? Put on, or take up, the full armor of God. Take up, or put on, the full armor of God, um, so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So that you may be able to stand firm. So, the two commands are two... Uh, Directives that he gives us here is be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might and to take up or put on the full armor of God. We're going to talk more about that. But again, this is the what to do. This is the what to do. Okay? Let's talk a little bit about the why to do. Why to do this. Um, In verse 11 he says, uh, uh, put this on that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil, the, the methods, the, the strategies that the adversary um, has for us. Um, you know, we've talked about this when we did our study on this, that the adversary has a scheme, has strategies for me. You know what they're based on? My weaknesses. My weaknesses. And he's, and he's, and he's um, studied me through you know, the demonic world that he has. I mean, he's not omnipresent, right? But he's studied me for since I was born. And he knows the areas that I struggle in, personally. And, and those are the things that he um, will um, set a course of action out to um, cause me to fall, or cause me to not think rightly. Um, so, uh, Philippians one twenty seven um, says, uh, Conduct yourselves in a worthy manner of the gospel of Christ, so that when I come and see, or remain absent, I may hear that you are, quote, standing firm in one spirit. Standing firm in one spirit. So, in no way alarmed by your opponents. Um, so, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Um, the, uh, the next one is um, to resist in the, e- in the evil day. To resist in the evil day. Verse 13, he says, Take up the full armor of God for this reason, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. One of the things you see throughout this whole passage, verse 11, verse 13, verse 14, is this idea of standing firm. What does standing firm bring, say to you? What's the part? Not moving, okay. Stable. 
rock solid. It's it's a picture of defensiveness too, isn't it? It's the ability that says that you know I, I I'm not going to be uh, jump from here to that all the time. I'm I'm going to be rock solid. I'm going to have a foundation that is uncrackable and unflappable, and one that um, has full persuasion and confidence. Right? I mean that's that's kind of the the, the picture of standing firm. Um, it's not it's not like a you know something that's top heavy and continues to go back and forth or not not have a f- strong foundation. So Isn't it like almost the opposite of when we talk in James one doubting and double minded us to and absolutely and, it, and I mean, Ephesians that's the opposite, I hear, absolutely right? stand firm absolutely. I mean in Ephesians the you know the 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 passage in chapter four of Ephesians says as a result. Because of this coming into a full maturity, um, we're not like children tossed here and there by the waves. So it's the same concept of, of, of being firm, steadfast, immovable. Okay, uh, so it's really having done everything uh, to stand firm. So th- the, the point here in verse 13 is that it, it's really a question to me, it's a question to you is, um, are you doing everything to stand firm? Have you done everything to stand firm? These are two questions that that uh, that each of us have to ask ourselves yeah. in our lives. You know, it reminds me lately I've been thinking Absolutely. and the armor, it's all on. Absolutely. And if you're standing Absolutely. Firm, you have full responsibility yep. without the yep. victory. In Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, did everybody hear that? So, um, one of the things we're going to learn from some of the pieces of this armor that are just applicable to life today in my life, right, is that there's this... They've been crafted in such a way that they um, facilitate a defensive stance, not an op- not not a retreat. Um, so they are meant to shield us from the front and battle situation. <clears throat> so we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, the last thing reason for for, for uh, our armor is in verse eighteen, where we see he says, "And quote, beyond the alert, beyond the alert, beyond the alert." Um, turn with me to uh, Romans three eleven. Romans 3, verse 11. Uh, 13, 11, excuse me. I guess it's not in 3. Romans 13, verse 11 says, And this do knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to waken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night's almost gone, the day is at hand. Let us lay aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. This is where I get this language. It's... The idea is put on the weaponry of, of that, that comes from the light. Um, a properly in the day, not carousing, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, sensuality, and not in strife or jealousy. But verse fourteen: put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. So this idea of knowing the times, this idea of understanding the season, this understand this idea of being alert, this idea of standing firm, this idea of Putting off and putting on uh, has everything to do with the the success of or the failure of um, this war. So, uh, does, um, be on the alert. So there's there's four dimensions of being on the alert that I want to give to you that I think go behind this. The, the first one is um, is to is just just to be awake and engaged. Just be awake, engaged. How many times do we find ourselves asleep at the wheel? We've lost our moorings. We've lost why we're living our lives. Why circumstances just kind of fly over us, don't they? And, and all of a sudden we find ourselves just smack in the middle of that. And we're, we've lost our ability to think rightly. I don't know about you, but I mean, that's, that's a natural thing that happens, right? So the second thing I want to put here is, is um, understand... Uh, the situation. Talk more about this a little bit later. Understand the search situation. Understand the situation. In, 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 in warfare, warfare on the battleground, what's the most important thing? The alert. That's important. Both those together, which they call what? Situational awareness. Situational awareness. So it's 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 having a third dimensional perspective. Of everything that's going on, as opposed to just a two-dimensional perspective. Because if I see them going doing this, and I don't have that other quote eye in the sky, 
seeing how they're going this way or this way or having a full understanding of the comp- comprehension of the, of the battlefield, I'm going to lose. All I see is what I see, right? All I see is what I see. And so situational awareness on the battlefield and in warfare is of utmost importance. The question in our lives is, uh, how do we get that? Okay. So, awake and engaged, alert. Second is understand the situation. Okay. Third one here is um, understand what to do. So, in order to get what to do, I have to know how think. So, the what to do comes from how to think. You see what I'm saying? In other words, I can perceive or I can I can I can determine in my mind what I think is going on here, and and and, and I can I can take away a perspective of that situation. And because of that perspective, I'm going to act a certain way. I'm going to do something. Make sense? And the problem is, is in fact, I had I had somebody write 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 me a letter this week. Had a bunch of different points on it, and, and I had to get I had to get together with them and talk it through because they were off into the doing, and their whole premise was wrong. They, they had a they had a faulty premise from the very get go. And so they're all down the road of making choices and decisions. And, and it had to come back to the situational awareness of the situation and say, how'd you get there? <laughs> what are you thinking? What you're seeing and how you're interpreting the situation and the circumstances is not all there is. There's something very, very different here going on. And if you saw it this way, would it not change, so to speak, right, how you... what the conclusions are and what you're doing about it. You see how powerful that is? By the way, if you just came in, there's some some handouts in back there. Um, So the fourth thing here, then, is um, do it. (laughs) Just because I know what are the right things to do and I see it correctly, what? Doesn't mean I'm going to go do it rightly. Follow me? I don't know about you, but I mean, there's a bit... there's, there's sometimes a big chasm between those, those, those three and four. Okay? Yeah, a whole lot, of, uh, larger percentage go through the first three. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, 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 and when we think about how to think and then we know what to do and we don't do it, what does James call that? Sin. It, where sometimes it could be sin. Could be. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. The four things to understand about being on the alert. What does it mean? Well, it means doing those four things. The next thing here is the nature of our war. And I'll add on here, and our enemy, and our enemy, nature of our war, warfare, and our enemy. What we see here is that he says this um, in verse uh, 12. Uh, 11 and 12 is, for, is it, it's the devil Who's, who, who at the end of the day is our, is, is our enemy it's the devil and, it's, and, and, and where is this, is this warfare um, held it's in, it's in the spiritual realm he says it's spiritual forces spiritual forces of wickedness in where? the heavenlies or in the heavenly places so it is, it is there where this war is being fought it's not physical it's not the things that we can see and touch. Spiritual dimension behind the where the war is fought and, and won or lost. That's actually reality. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's the it's the, the immaterial part really ends up being the place of, of true reality. And it's also where it's won and lost. And it gets translated into this world and happens, but it's won and lost there. And we look we've looked at a number of verses here. You can look at them later, we uh, if you were in our study on this, but 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says the weapons of our warfare are, are, are strong and they're in the spiritual realm for the pulling down of fortresses. 10, 3-5. And then 2 Corinthians 11, 3, about how um, these were the tools that uh, Satan used to deceive Eve and therefore are still being used today. Okay. Um, so I want to look at our armor. And if you take that other handout that I gave you, it has uh, a number of things on it there. And I want to um, walk us through. So, do not, if you came in late, just, I mean, bear with me. 
If you cannot articulate what these pieces of armor really mean and how they apply in your personal life by the end of our time together today, I failed. I failed. Okay? Failed. So, help me not fail. Okay? Help me, help me not fail today. And, and, and for men here, okay, I mean, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push some buttons on, on our side uh, from this sector too. Um, uh, because of Father's Day. Um, so one of the things I want to mention here, maybe just put down the left-hand side of your page here, is that uh, there's really six weapons here. And, and these over here on the left-hand side are what I'll call um, kind of uh, foundational and ongoing. And the ones down below here are kind of, uh, uh, I'll call it situational and specific. Kind of the need to the need of the moment, let's say. Does that make sense? Um, starts this one off here by saying on all of them, either having this one over here on about taking. Taking up or um, take up. So that gives you a perspective of those two. The idea here is that you've done these things and you're in the process of doing them on an ongoing basis. The thought process here is that uh, based upon the need of the moment, based upon the battle of, of the war, that these things would be engaged at certain times and certain places. Okay? All right, so um, let's take a look at this. The first one, he starts in verse 14, and he says, um, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Girded your loins with truth. Um as we go through these, I'm going to give you a perspective that's in the middle here as it pertains to our position and explaining this particular piece of armor. And then I'm going to seek to try to apply it on the practical side, which is the right-hand side, as we go through our thinking together, okay? So, gird your loins with truth. Um, our loins are kind of the midsection here. And the point here is, you know, it's the idea of, of uh, kind of Hebrews 11, you know, kind of cinch up and strap up, you know, with a belt, you know, kind of uh, all the stuff that's dangling down below with robes and everything. And why is that the case? It's because, you know, you can't fight very, very well with all this stuff flowing robes. And everything. the point is like, like cinch it up, gird it up, you know, get it, out of the way. Don't let it be um, a dangling participle. You know, it's it's the idea of you know, no no soldier um, seeks to ha- be entangled by this world when they are put into um, commission by their commanding officer. No, there, there shouldn't be any dangling participles. My question in, in your in, in, in your life, in my life, I mean, you know, are there dangling participles? Are there things that just like are weighing us down? Are there things that just keep us from kind of being, being, uh, having victory in our life um, spiritually? Well, God is asking each one of us to um, address that in our own lives. We can't be successful in, in this in this in this life that, that the Lord's called us to lead, if, if, we ha- if we continue to knowingly just let those things drag on the ground and trip us up, knowingly. So if we know that that's the case, then the key thing here is to, is to um, bind them up, cinch them up. So the positional point here is that it, uh, it's really life lived from a divine viewpoint, and this whole idea of situ- situational awareness we talked about over here. Um, where did we say that this this uh, war is won and lost? Pardon me. It's in, the realm. in the heavenly realm, but it's it's in the heavenly realm as it pertains to what in our lives, our mind. Remember, we talked about the battle for the mind, right? Battle for the mind. Battle for the mind. Battle for the mind. It's like it's not one in what I do; it's one in how I think. And so, turn with me um, uh, to Romans twelve two, a familiar passage. Um, we're going to look at a couple of verses here. Um, Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. So the point of uh, here is that 
is we, if we think about the way we always think, it's a natural inclination most likely because most of us are in process of learning the supernatural way to think. And so when we just do what comes natural, it's going to be that perspective almost invariably. And he says, transform your mind. Make the mind the place that this is going to change in the battleground. And he says, you prove what the will of God is, that which is acceptable and perfect. So what's, the, what's he saying? He says, exercise fully to understand what, what is God's, what's God's word, what's the right thing to do here? What's the right way to think about it? Um, the situational awareness of the battlefield, in order to make the right decision I, and think rightly about what's happening, I have to understand the whole thing. And, and where does that whole thing come from? It's the third eye in the sky. It's the, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the triangulation to where God is. It's the ability to see it from a different perspective that is above us and beyond us. And so it's that three-dimensional aspect of what's really going on in the war that if I don't have that perspective from God, I'm going to make wrong decisions in my life. Does that make sense? We're talking about like the day-in and day-out stuff here. Um, so, life lived from a divine viewpoint. Um, 1 Peter, um, chapter 1. Turn with me there. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 13, says, Gird your minds for action and keep sober in spirit. Gird your minds for action and keep sober in spirit. Why is, why is it that we should be, be girding our minds for action and keeping sober in spirit? Uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, which is that be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Why? Because we're in a war and our adversary wants to take us out. That's why. He says that's why we want to have this discernment. That's why we want to be able to think rightly. So discernment, the ability to understand the situation and determine the right things to do in any given situation is what is what this piece of armor is about. Um, it'd be totally foolish for um, uh, a general to, uh, to, to to try to determine what the right things to do and see the battlefield and everything else and then and then make a call to do something that um, is totally anti the, 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 the situation that's going on or the, the reality of it, you know. Um, it, it it would defy all comprehension to be able to make that kind of a call. So the war yeah. No. Um, it certainly could be. Before we're believers, it's for that. Yeah. What do you think the war is as believers? Okay. Experientially? Because it's not about where we're going to go when we die, right? What did, what did, what did the Lord say? I want that you to experience what? It's the joy. Life. Yeah. Abundant life. Abundant life. Life abundantly, right? So it's about um, two things. One is learning what intimacy looks like with God, worshiper, okay? and therefore the resulting benefits of putting that will cause us to become more like Christ, put on display before a watching world, so that they too can learn the incredible value equation of life. That's it. That's it. So, so what does our adversary want to keep from happening? That situation as believers. God to be glorified. Doesn't want God to be glorified. And when we, when our whole life is about us and not about Him, it's an affront. Well, part of the thing we can do about sure, we are one of those seeds. Amen. And go ahead. I was just going to say, you want to rob us of the abundant life because I mean it's death. You know, and, and exactly. He take us out of the Father's hand. Exactly. But He can rob us. Exactly. Remember that whole thing of intimacy? I passed that handout out. You know, where does the intimacy, you know, what's the direct, what's the what's the action that keeps that from happening? It's sin, right? So, um, if he can get us to sin, he, he, he'll keep us from intimacy, he'll keep us from experiencing life, and he'll keep us from our testimony, which I'm uh, communicating the, the incredible value equation of our lives to others that says it's really worth it. I mean, it's worth everything. That message is, is practiced to him by the deceptions of practice us from being attracted. Amen. Amen. And so that's, that's exactly. Like, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I am thoroughly convinced, I'm, I'm fully persuaded that we as believers don't know what life, you know, we really don't know what abundant. When you get it, you'll never, ever, ever put it down. Never, ever not figure out how to, 
how to taste it again and taste it more often and taste it all the time. And it's worth everything. It's worth everything in the world. And that's what he's trying to keep us from. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. What uh, well-known... I, I, th- I think there's. I think all of us have experienced some level of that just by coming to Christ. I mean, you know, what, he, what does he say when he says, like, you know, go back to your first love. It's the love of of devotion to, to the Lord that where that intimacy comes from. And what were we, what were we doing at that time where those feelings existed and that intimacy solidified? It was that we we were we we're putting them as preeminent in all things in our life. In all areas, that's when that happens. And we don't do things because we have to. We, we passionately long to want to do those things. Because they just are like, but with a prize, I care more about doing it. It's this ravaged circle of incredible pleasure that says, I do this for the pleasure of the king. And the king says, you know, you know give you more life. And you say, I want to do it more often. And he's like... It's it's a never-ending circle of life and joy and peace and worth worth it. So I, I think all of us and that, that that's what I think Hebrews is saying. You know, stop not encouraging one another when you get together about these things that you see they drawing near. It's going to get worse and hard, but you know what? We can experience those things of life, stuff of life. Um, okay, so next thing here is. Um, is a tuning fork of our lives, and my question is tied to situational awareness and where we, where, where's our orientation, and where are we resonating our life towards? It, it, there's a big tuning fork in the sky. Actually, there's two of them, and, and the question is, is which of the two are you tuning your lives to today? I mean, it's that simple. It's that clear. It's that to me. It's like resonating there. Or I'm resonating there. Which one? And all of us make this decision day in and day out. That's what this is about, this particular piece of armor. It's like, who am I tuning my life to? That's the part of my life going, uh, uh, what, what I'm tuning it to. But there's another aspect of this truth or truthfulness here that has to do with sincerity and truthfulness on the right-hand side. What does that mean? It means that not only do I know what the right things to do, but I'm actually living my life in a, in a state of truthfulness, in a state of integrity. I'm actually uh, wanting other people to, as we talked about before, yeah, speak into my life. You know, It's like I, I care more about becoming like Christ than I care about confronting truth yeah, about my life. Pardon me? Oh, vulnerable. Vulnerability. You know, being open and honest with right, people. And it really is. Yep. Unless yep. it allows it, and it's right. Amen. And you just Amen. Work in Amen. So, are we uh, are, are are we living in a place of vulnerability? Are we living in a place of letting um, others speak into our life? Do we care even about knowing our blind spots in such a way that we'll ask for accountability with others to encourage us and to help us through these places that you know? There are whirlpools or eddies in our life or places that, you know, we're just not where we want to be yet. Who are we accountable to in this? I mean, I, these are tough questions, aren't they? Okay. Um, one of the things about conscientious decision to sync up or, you know, pull up my 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 robe and sync it up and tie it together uh, in this belt of truth is this idea that I'm I'm I'm, make a consci- I'm making a conscientious decision in my life to be serious about fighting, about being serious on being on the front lines, about serious about you know that that you know what well, uh, I'm needed, I'm available, <laughs> I'm needed and I'm available. What else is there need to need to know? You know, it's like the, the the soldier who gets called into the you know army and he goes, I'm needed, and I'm available, I'm going, and he d- goes, but where am I going? You know, I. Can you give me some more information about where you're going to send me? Because I'm not sure about that place. And it's like, well, that, what is that? You know, <laughs> what is that? You know, it's not, it's not what he asked us to do. Okay, um, you know, uh, uh, just a comment to you know men in this area. You know, yeah, I think we have a harder time living in a place of sincerity and and not uh, a normal thing, a natural thing to. Um, open and honest and about stuff. And so I, I just encourage us in this area. Women, this idea of truthfulness, uh, truth, listen to lies all the time about 
what what would life be like if my husband just was the spiritual leader of my life? Like, wow, you know, what would that be like? You know, take matters into our own hands, and it can be a it can be a hard place to go. Uh, are we going to lean fully into God, pray, and watch Him make these things happen? I tell you, you know, these are these these are insidious things, insidious things. I think we have Amen. Speaking of Tony. Yeah. Yeah. If they would put somebody from Christian, like Graham's life, or Ruth Graham's whole life, every hour, every hour, hard, I think people would. That's our job, right? Is to think differently. And how are we going to you know, change the, the the resonation of what's ha- what we're tuning our lives to? You know, it's it's that this is this is the real thing. This is a real deal. Well, the next one is breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness. This is all about how God sees us. He says, um, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Notice that he's all three of these first three ones. He talks about having done these things. Having done these things. So it's an ongoing process of doing them all the time. It's not something that we just use for the moment. It's, it's a matter of something that we're, we're doing all the time. Uh, we're, we're always girding our loins with truth. We're always determining the situation and what we should do differently. In this particular one, it's how God sees us. You know, he, it, 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 Breastplate of righteousness is covering where? Our heart, our midsection, the place of most value. Um, it's it's the it's the place of affections and, and feelings and, and emotions from from the scriptural perspective um, as to how they saw it. Um, so it, it's it, uh, breastplate is fully wrapping what matters most, and 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 in this situation, it's um, righteousness is holiness, isn't it? So it's the breastplate of holiness, and when we think about how God sees us, it's it's all about. It's all about the supremacy of the cross of Christ in our life. It's all about, does the cross, do we live in a place that, that understands that our sins have been forgiven and that we are forever clean and that the cross did that and that it is because of the cross that God sees us through the blood of Christ and that is positional and it's done and it's complete and not, nobody can take that away from us. And so the practical side of this is all about then um, do our lives match what's what's reality? You know, do, do our lives practically match our position of holiness? Do, do they? Are we personally pursuing purity? Purity is where practical purity is where God shows up. Practical purity is where intimacy exists. Lack of it is where death exists. And, and, and he says it's personal purity. First Peter 1.16, write this one down. He says, uh, be holy like I am holy. Well, why would he ask them to be holy when they're already holy? Absolutely. Keep on doing it now. It's not that he's not addressing the positional side. He's addressing the practical side. And and First uh, Peter 2.11 um, talks about uh, the fact that we should abstain from fleshly lusts, which, quote, wage war against our souls. War against our souls. Do we really see those affections as doing that in our life and, and, and causing the death that... Remember we said 100% of the time, we go down this road, it ends in what? Death. 100% you start, 100% you end in death. It's not like you start here at 100%, and you know what? 90% only gets to death. 100% gets to death. 100% gets to death when we make that decision of death. Okay, that's what it is. It's a decision of death in our life. So, um, that's the point, is uh, abstain from these things. Um, <laughs> Psalm 51.12 is, is a verse that... Uh, um, that uh, David used when he was talking about his experience with Bathsheba and, and some of the things that went through that. And, and he says, create in me a, a, a willing heart. Willing heart. That's really what we should be asking about, is how do, we, how do we architect through the power of the Spirit in our lives a willing heart to want to do these things, want life. Um, yeah, it's a willing heart. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Um, John fifteen eleven. 
make my joy full. First John 1 John 1.4 I write these things to make your joy complete. Something about this abundant life and this joy and this you know, full-on fulfillment that I don't think we really have the value equation down in our life. Completely. Okay, the next is feet shod with the go- preparation of the gospel um, uh, of peace. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. By the way, if, if we have personal purity in our heart, um, do, do you think that it, it helps inhibit the strategies of the, of the adversary? Absolutely. It's about the little bit of leaven yeah. that spoils the whole... Yeah, have even absolutely. It opens the door. It's a foothold place to work from, right? Um, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says... Um, here in verse 15, he says, um, uh, shod your feet or, or you know, put these uh, shoes on that, that are for preparation of the gospel of peace. Preparation here speaks of, like, um, advancement. So, like, great, um, great uh, these shoes that are prepared to advance the gospel of peace is the idea. So it's the idea of being prepared at all times to advance the good news. That peace is is attainable. Joy, rest, fulfillment. You know, sometimes I wonder if we really think that that can, be, can happen in our lives experientially. Sometimes we're, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I look around this room. Some, some of us are in very difficult challenges relationally and other places, you know, and we're working through some difficult stuff. You know, and, but you know what? God, God wants, us, wants to meet us there. Wants to meet us there. And, and it's through this particular one here about the fact that peace is available. There's all kinds of shoes Soldier's life depended on his shoes, um, and my question on the on, on the right hand side here is: uh, Do we do we have have we solidified the solid footing of knowing God is on my side? Knowing God is on my side. Uh, due to time, I won't turn to it, but write down on, next to this one Romans eight thirty one. Romans eight thirty one. He says uh, in so many words, you know, who, who will bring a charge against me? You know. Who, who will do that if God's on my side? Who, who can bring a charge against me? Next is peace with God and, and then peace of God. Romans 5, 1, uh, Philippians 4, 4, 7. Um, so this idea of the fact that um, because I have peace with God, I, I have the peace of God and, and cultivating that peace of God in my life, in my heart, um, it's going to be a process of cultivation that, that I'm engaged in. But you know what? It reaps Huge dividends. Huge dividends. And it's satisfaction in God and God alone. Colossians 2.3. Colossians 2.3. Satisfaction in God and God, God alone. Um, the point, the reason why I'm saying this is, is how many of us are able to recommend, quote, with all our heart, that which we don't know, or that which we don't experience? Can you imagine trying to sell a person on the value equation of something, and you know what? We we've really never been there ourselves. How, how do you how do you describe in all its living color uh, what what uh, what peace is, what joy is, what contentment is, what all these things are, and, and recommend such uh, to a person who doesn't know Christ, or even to a believer that does that it's really worth it. How do we do that? He, he says. I want you to know it and experience it yourself so you have prepared the feet, your feet, to advance the gospel, this great news. And I don't think it's just the gospel of, of with God. It's the gospel of peace that we're talking about here also. Next is a shield of faith. Shield of faith to, to extinguish all the flaming missiles. Shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming missiles. These last three, remember what I said, are are situational specific. So these top three are ones that are just ongoing work. But these bottom three, it's like, you know, the soldier's there, and all of a sudden the battle starts. And he's supposed to, quote, take up, pick up, put on, make this happen as a result of what the situation is that's that's at hand. And the first one is a shield of faith to extinguish all the flaming missiles. The point here that I'd like to suggest is that it's an unshakable trust in the unseen. Unshakable trust in the unseen. Hebrews 11.6 Hebrews 11.6 says um, 
I'll read it for you. He says, Faith, without faith it's impossible to please God. Um, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of those who seek him. He rewards those who want him more than anything else. Uh, that's, his, that, that's his goal. And there were two kinds of, uh, of, of, of uh, shields here. One was like, you know, that two-by-two two round shield. Okay, that's not what I was talking about here. There was another shield that you see sometimes in phalanxes and, and movements of, of Roman armies that was like two and a half feet wide and like four, four and a half feet high that they could literally stoop down behind. And it was like wood and cut and crusted with like metal and uh, uh, leather, you know, and, and all. So that, that uh, the oiled leather on, uh, on the outside. So that was what this is talking about is that huge big shield, the one that you can like literally um, crouch behind and it can completely cover you. A historical wall. <laughs> Blind them, huh? <laughs> Talking about attraction. There you go. Um, this idea of the sovereignty of God in this particular one is 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 one of the key attributes I think that God God shows in this particular um, uh, piece of armor. Um, why do I mean? Why do I say that? It's, it be, it's because you know, do we really have the ability to trust God as to what He says about what the situation is really, what's really going on in the situation? That's what faith is, is leaning into fully what God says about anything. And, and you know, you don't, you don't lean into it fully until, until you exercise the will. And the will is exercised when we actually do something about it, not think something about it. So when you see something happen and somebody, you know, just literally bows the knee of their heart and trusts God in the middle of that, because he promises he'll never leave us. Because he promises he will he will um, beat our every need. Because he promises when you know X Y Z happens. I, I think of like the person who who who's fully committed to um, giving the way the Lord blesses them and into their into their poverty when they can't see how that's going to work out, but they trust that God says he'll never he'll meet their needs. These are the these are like the ongoing examples of, of of how this actually works itself out. So it's constant application of what we know is true. But here, trusting in the dark, what he has taught us in the light. Um, it's all about God's character, his conduct, and his capability. God's character, his conduct, and his capability. These flaming missiles are are they were literally arrows like entrenched with a tar or something that was lit on fire. And so those flaming missiles come, and he says it's it's the shield that can stop that. Otherwise, they're going to break through. Character, conduct, and, and God's capability. So it's all about God's sovereignty. Do we literally believe that this situation, too, is not one of those like free atoms and electrons in the world that somehow isn't under his, his, his oversight? It's a good question, right? I mean, it's a fundamental question. Do I really believe that or not? This is the stuff of, of where faith gets exercised in our life. Okay, next is helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. Um, this is all about uh, confidence in our redemption, and it's about the sufficiency of Christ and the security of the believer. Sufficiency of Christ and the security of the believer. Um, the helmet here was was put on the head to... To keep or to to protect from a broadsword, and a broadsword was was like a you know a, it was like a three to four foot sword. You, you know those really big ones that the cavalry men would use, and they wield you know as they're coming through. Um, it's to keep from being hit in the head from those. You know, decapitate your head. So it it's about the sufficiency and the security of our faith and the confidence in the redemption. The idea of the fact that he who began a good work in me is going to complete it, Philippians 1.6, and that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So it's a full confidence in that. And you know, one of the things that, um, you know, that, 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 throws, that gives us a challenge in this area is what I'll call discouragement and doubt. Discouragement and doubt come our way when... When we sin, it's the guilt and, this, and when we sin, our, personally. And so, 
our ability to have um, absolute confidence and full persuasion in, in not only that um, that uh, God's got these things under control, which is faith, but the ability to have um, strength and confidence in the fact that um, uh, the, the, the Christ is, Christ's work is sufficient on our behalf, and also um, that my sin is not going to cause um, me to lose my salvation, and that he's going to be able to still yet use me when I get in a good place of intimacy are, are things that are huge kind of holes in the tent as it pertains to our life in Christ. Romans 8, 36 and 37, you know, no, but nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. 36 and 37. The last one here is the sword of the Spirit um, is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. In verse 17 he says, and take um, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, this is uh, the sword um, enough is owned by the Spirit. Don't lose sight of that. He's the owner of it. It is offensive and defensive. Uh, on an offensive perspective, um, uh, through this one here, you can write, always accomplishes its intended purpose. Isaiah chapter 55, 11. And pierces to the soul and judges the thoughts and intents of the motive. That's Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 12 and 13. So that's the offensive portion of the of the Word of God. The defensive portion of the Word of God here is Matthew 4. Remember where Christ used the Word of God to, to defend against Satan, right? So both those there. So the sword here is not that big broad sword that we're talking about the three to four foot one. It's 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 the six six inch one to twelve inch one. It's it's meant for offensive uh, combat. So this is the only one that is offensive in nature, uh, not only defensive. And so it has both dimensions to it. And the point here is, that I put here is Colossians 3.16, is let, let the word of Christ, the word of God, word of Christ dwell within me richly. There's, a, there's an element of the will tied to this one. Um, and the idea of James 1.22, be a doer, not only a hearer of the word, um, the whole point here is allowing myself to be changed by the word of God, being transformed, living in a place of brokenness. Let the word of God dwelling in me. Uh, you know, what's the definition of insanity? It's somehow thinking that I'm growing in Christ and not doing anything different. <laughs> I mean, how many of us do that day in and day out? So have your own way, Lord, have your own way. You are the potter and I am the clay, right? So this a perspective of the fact that this situation, too, is about developing me or displaying what God's developed in me or it's defending me. One of the three things is going to happen as a result of this situation in my life. So uh, that's the key thing there. Um, one last point here. Um, uh, questions on that one? Okay. The last one here is our communication network. Um, prayer, petition perspective, and perseverance. In verse 18, he says, with all prayer, notice the words all here, he uses all prayer, all times, all perseverance, and all the saints. So, it talks about in, uh, inclusiveness, it talks about like all the time, it's like everything, everywhere, every time, every place. And that's really what prayer is. I think we get this mistaken understanding, you know, we actually like, got you know, bow our knee and, you know, go into an attitude of prayer. But, Prayer is nothing other than communication. It's like literally uh, always before the throne is the language and the word picture I, I, I like to use personally. is always before the throne of God. Am I literally uh, kind of uh, got that free open channel of communication and there's nothing I'm doing to inhibit it? That's the idea. And he says, pray for all, all, all people. Petition, um, ask for things. Perspective is this idea of being alert. It's situational awareness. Are we are we are we understand those things? And then perseverance is the is the is the last piece here, which is to is to steady on, steady the course. And how do you do that? What's well, you have that firm foundation, right? And he says, all the time from the Spirit and for all the saints. And, and the interesting thing here that Paul just even gives us personal insight into his own life. He says, Get, I ask that you would pray for me in verse nineteen for what? For boldness. <laughs> Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
needed boldness. I tell you, if if he can be that 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 open and honest with us, I mean, I need boldness. You know, each of us need boldness, don't we? To communicate the truth at the right times. And to be always prepared, as we said here, feet shod with the preparation to advance the gospel of Christ. Um, and, to, and to have in our hip pocket the value equation that we pull out and go, you know, I'm experiencing this. <laughs> I'm not going to recommend to you something that I, I, don't, I haven't tasted personally, but it's, it's beyond all telling. It's beyond all telling. It's worth everything. Now, the question to us today is, you know, is that true for our lives? If not, what are we going to do about that? How are we going to change it? You know, this particular passage and this particular study, and for me, has like, it's just one of the key things. And it's helped me so, so significantly because it's like the real stuff of real life right now. How do I think about it? And I, I just, I really trust and pray that this would be um, the case in each of our lives. Um, any comments in closing? Apologize for taking a little bit longer. The first thing is truth, and the last thing is truth. It's Bookended by by way, truth. By, yeah. Hurting our loins with truth. Yeah. Is, it's that. It's the beginning and the end. Exactly. 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 Dan, would you close this prayer? Sure. Let's pray. Lord God, you challenge us as you do in our lives, and you just show us how to do that way in the abundant life that you. Bring. Amen. Fathers, have a great day today.